From Boomers to Millennials is a modern U.S. history podcast, providing a fresh look at our history since 1946. Welcome to Episode 17B, also known as Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. 10-Minute Profile. This is the debut of a new episode format for our show. In our recent episode on Robert F. Kennedy, we left a lengthy tangent profiling his brother John's 1952 opponent, Henry Cabot Lodge Jr., on the cutting room floor. We recovered and expanded that content and turned it into this episode. This is going to be the first of a series of occasional supplemental episodes that will provide a brief profile of an interesting historical figure from modern U.S. history who deserves more attention. And don't worry, future installments of the 10-minute profile format will include profiles of people who were not rich and powerful white male politicians like Lodge. Before we start our profile, I want to briefly mention current events. We try not to overdo this because we don't want our episodes to seem dated to future listeners, but part of the concept of our show is to reconsider historic events in the light of contemporary realities. This being the case, I want to acknowledge that there's been a lot going on. We've seen a major new land war in Europe, a series of controversial Supreme Court rulings dramatically breaking with past precedents, and the most intensive congressional investigation of a past president since the Watergate era. We've seen economic problems like rising inflation and high gas prices that also recall events of the 1970s. We are not going to discuss such matters today, but future episodes will compare and contrast today's headline news with events within our historical narrative. Each of our 10-minute profiles will start out with this question. What makes this person interesting and significant? In the case of Lodge, he is a prime example of the old-money Northeastern White Anglo-Saxon Protestants, or WASPs, who are sometimes labeled by their populist detractors as the Eastern Establishment. This group of people had disproportionate power in the 20th century USA. These American aristocrats had a variety of political views. There were New Deal Democrats like President Franklin Roosevelt and his Attorney General Francis Biddle, centrist cold warriors like Dean Acheson and McGeorge Bundy, moderate Republicans like Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. and Nelson Rockefeller, and conservatives like a young go-getter congressman named George Bush. But all of them benefited from the money, status, and social connections that they inherited from their family legacies. Over the course of the 20th century, the rise of meritocracy would reduce, but not eliminate, the influence of these old money families in American life. Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. was born in Massachusetts during 1902. Both of his parents came from prominent families. His father was George Cabot Lodge, a writer who died of a heart attack at the shockingly young age of 35. Lodge's mother was Matilda Elizabeth Freelinghausen, who was the granddaughter of a Republican senator from New Jersey. Henry Cabot Lodge Jr.'s paternal grandfather was another Republican senator named Henry Cabot Lodge Sr. Well, at the time, he was just known as Henry Cabot Lodge, but we will refer to him as Lodge Sr. to distinguish him from the main subject of our profile. Lodge Sr. was a Republican senator from Massachusetts, and his great-grandfather had been George Cabot, who, during the early years of the American Republic, had been a close political ally of Alexander Hamilton as a Federalist senator from Massachusetts during the 1790s. 
powerful families like Lodge Jr.'s ancestors, the Cabots, were known as Boston Brahmins, a nickname derived from the Brahmins who were the highest-ranking group in India's traditional Hindu caste system. The Boston Brahmins were select Anglo-Saxon Protestant families, often descended from the Puritans and other early settlers of New England, who had remained prosperous and socially prominent for generations. The status of the Cabot family is reflected in this famous humorous rhyme. Quote, and this is good old Boston, the home of the bean and the cod, where the Lowells talk only to the Cabots, and the Cabots talk only to God. Close quote. Henry Cabot Lodge Sr. is perhaps the most famous member of the Lodge political family. He had a legendary rivalry with President Woodrow Wilson during the late 1910s as a leader of a U.S. Senate faction that opposed the Treaty of Versailles that would have made the USA a member of the League of Nations in the aftermath of World War I. Lodge Sr. insisted that Wilson make changes to the treaty in order to protect American sovereignty. He feared joining the League of Nations might commit the USA to entering into international conflicts that were not in its self-interest. Wilson stubbornly refused to modify the treaty in any way. Instead, the president thought he could pressure the Senate by rallying popular support. Woodrow Wilson attempted this by embarking on a grueling national speaking tour promoting the treaty and the League in 1919. However, the president collapsed with a stroke after giving a speech in Pueblo, Colorado, and his functioning was much diminished after that point. The First Lady, Edith Wilson, from that point forward had a very heavy influence over Woodrow. She controlled who the president would see and what documents he would read. So, in an indirect way, you could say that Lodge Sr.'s fiery opposition to Woodrow Wilson contributed to Edith Wilson emerging as what some consider the USA's de facto first female chief executive. One more interesting thing about Lodge Sr. In 1916, he had successfully defended his Senate seat against an opponent who was none other than JFK's maternal grandfather, John Fitzgerald who was serving as the Democratic mayor of Boston at the time. The influence of these families continued into the next generation, and the 1916 Senate race was an uncanny precursor of the 1952 race between the two candidates' grandsons, John Fitzgerald Kennedy and Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. Now, Lodge Jr. had a privileged childhood and attended St. Albans, a preppy boarding school in Washington, D.C., he then went on to earn a bachelor's degree from Arizona State University. Just kidding, he went to Harvard, of course. He graduated cum laude with the distinction of finishing in the top quartile of his graduating class. In 1926, he married Emily Sears, who was the daughter of a wealthy doctor. Lodge then supported his new family by finding a job as a journalist. During the 1930s, Lodge went into politics and successfully stood for election to the Massachusetts state legislature. The 30s were not a good decade for Republicans nationwide, but the GOP remained strong in parts of New England, and in 1936, Lodge Jr. upset incumbent Democrat James Michael Curley in order to get a seat in the United States Senate. Curley was Catholic and the son of Irish immigrants, so once again we see Massachusetts politics as a sort of ethnic rivalry between Anglo-Saxon Protestant Republicans and Irish Catholic Democrats. 
In the 1940s, Senator Lodge served in World War II while still in office. The U.S. government then issued an order in 1944 stating that enlisted members of Congress had to return to Washington, D.C. from overseas service. Instead of leaving his post, Lodge Jr. resigned from the Senate in order to keep serving in the war, becoming the first senator to do so since the Civil War era. Lodge, like his 1952 opponent JFK, became a decorated war hero. Unlike Kennedy, he served on the European front. Like many elite Northeastern Americans, Lodge previously studied in Paris. So during his wartime service in France, he used his extensive knowledge of French to help U.S. forces communicate with the locals. At the war's end, Lodge returned to the USA. In the 1946 congressional elections, which were strong for Republicans, see episode 1, he recaptured his Senate seat by defeating another incumbent Democratic senator. In 1952, he supported General Dwight D. Eisenhower's efforts to win the Republican presidential nomination, opposing the conservative GOP faction seeking to nominate Senator Robert Taft, see episode 7. After he lost his Senate seat to JFK in 52, see episode 17a, President Eisenhower appointed Lodge Jr. as the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, which is ironic considering his grandfather's fame for opposing the U.N.'s predecessor, the League of Nations. As Ambassador to the U.N., Lodge Jr. defended Ike's tough anti-communist Cold War policies. Lodge also profited from some of those policies, when a CIA coup overthrew the democratically elected government of Guatemala in 1954, see episode 9, Lodge was a major stockholder in the United Fruit Company that had lobbied the Americans to oust the left-wing Guatemalan regime that was trying to nationalize company property there. On a less shameful note, Lodge served as Nikita Khrushchev's American handler when the Soviet premier toured the USA in 1959 during a brief thaw in the Cold War. Lodge and Khrushchev, two men from wildly different backgrounds, became friendly with each other during this time. See episode 14. Lodge Jr.'s next partnership would be with Khrushchev's opponent in the famous kitchen debate, Richard M. Nixon. As you may recall from episode 16, Nixon chose Lodge as his running mate in the 1960 presidential campaign in order to appease the northeastern moderate wing of the Republican Party. Lodge's relationship with Nixon was sometimes a rocky one. While campaigning for the Nixon-Lodge ticket before a black audience in Harlem, Lodge Jr. told the crowd that Nixon planned to appoint at least one African-American to his presidential cabinet. But when Nixon heard about this remark, he was furious. He had not made any such pledge, and he had not pre-approved Lodge's statement. Nixon believed that Lodge's pandering to black voters in the North had cost him votes among whites in the South and possibly cost him the presidency in the razor-thin election. The Democratic victory in that November 1960 election essentially meant that Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. had lost to John F. Kennedy for a second time, but there weren't too many hard feelings between the two men. JFK crossed party lines to appoint Lodge as ambassador to South Vietnam in 1963. After Lodge left that challenging task, in order to embark upon an ill-fated attempt to run for president in 1964, President Lyndon B. Johnson ordered Lodge back to Vietnam, again as ambassador in 1965. Under LBJ, 
Lodge's posting only got more difficult because the Johnson administration escalated the Vietnam War dramatically, but as the years went by, the U.S. forces got no closer to victory. After getting a brief reprieve from the Vietnam conflict in the form of a couple of European ambassadorships, Lodge returned to the diplomatic fray by serving as the head of the U.S. delegation that signed the Paris Peace Accords with North Vietnam in 1973, finally bringing an end to that terrible conflict. That agreement may have given him some closure on a most challenging chapter in his long career as a government official. Lodge Jr. retired from public life during the 1980s, and he died in Massachusetts after a long illness in 1985. He was survived by his widow Emily and his two sons. Interestingly, one son, George Cabot Lodge II, had graduated from Harvard, obviously, in 1950 and then became a federal civil servant. Then, in 1962, he followed family tradition by running for Senate in Massachusetts against, you guessed it, a Kennedy. After George Cabot Lodge was easily defeated by Ted Kennedy, he became a professor at Harvard Business School. The Lodges remained part of New England's de facto aristocracy, but the family dynasty never captured the celebrity status and the heights of power achieved by the more colorful Kennedys. This concludes our first 10-minute profile. Thank you for listening, and you can provide feedback on this episode on our socials or via email at boomertomillennial at outlook.com. Until next time, take care, everybody.